0: Welcome to The Sway Effect, a podcast series featuring the innovators, disruptors, movers, and shakers that are shaping the marketing and communications industry today. I'm Jennifer Risi, the founder and president of The Sway Effect. Together, we will explore what's now and what's next and the trends that are shaping our industry. In this episode, I want to focus on diversity in media and the need for stewards of media, the journalists, to be more inclusive and truly representative of the audience that they serve, The world is becoming more diverse, and it's the media's responsibility to better reflect this. On my next episode, I will explore these topics and more with Adweek's creative and inclusion editor, Shannon Miller. Welcome, Shannon. Shannon, I'm so excited for you to be here. We recently met in Cannes, and I was so inspired by our discussion that I had to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Before we get started, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your background?
1: Well, First of all, thank you so much for having me. This is super exciting. I am the Creative and Inclusion Editor at Adweek. I started in an in, in official capacity, um, what is it now, March of 2021, but I've been writing for Adweek for about four years now. Um, I started on the creative beat because I had a background in uh entertainment journalism and in culture criticism. Mm. And that sort of naturally translated to creative work in advertising. And before I I kind of figured out like I was trying to figure out whether or not it made sense. And then it took me about a day and a half to be like, of course it makes sense because (laughs) advertising is so pervasive and it really shapes us. We don't realize how much advertising has shaped our cultural view. And so I was able to sort of translate a lot of those talents into looking at the creative side of advertising. And um, it's, it's always been a really, really fun aspect of my writing career. And I just love it so much. But what I love most about it is that a lot of the issues with advertising that I haven't internalized for years and years and years, I now have a platform where I can just talk about that openly. And really push the industry in a more um forward-thinking direction. So that's kind of the the gist of how I got here. It started with really really nerdy stuff like super super nerdy stuff talking about comics and and film and music and just bringing that enthusiasm to the world of advertising.
0: I love your passion. I love the things that we've we've talked about most recently, being in Cannes, as I mentioned. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about some of the work that you're most excited about right now that you're seeing across the industry.
1: Oh, man, that's a really, really good question. I The things that I am really drawn to now, I'm seeing a lot more storytelling, like real honest-to-goodness storytelling in advertising that makes it so varied and fun. I I love the holidays because you get those like really sentimental ads and you know who doesn't love a good sentimental ad. But there's like an added layer to that where we're now seeing brands use that time as like a conduit to tap into different communities, tell really special, special stories. And that's been my big thing. I, I have... It's, it's funny because I have um, Sagittarian patience, which means no patients at all. Like, <laughs> Sagittarius, <laughs> Sagittarius, I do not have a ton of patience. So amongst my colleagues, I work with a lot of colleagues that are like, I just need a minute and a half, that's it. Do not give me more than a minute and a half because I don't have the attention span for it. And I'm actually the opposite in that respect. We're getting a lot of sort of like longer winding creative work yeah. that takes time to just tell an important tale. And I think that if you have something to say, you should feel inclined to just take the time, take the time to really translate that story, to get to the core of a brand's values and deliver something really special. And we're seeing more of that. So I'm hoping that uh, the future leads to more like story forward, creative like that. I mean, I love a good quick ad. Um, especially when I'm busy, but I, I prioritize storytelling above all. So that's kind of the exciting stuff that I'm seeing and it's international too, which is really great.
0: Is there a particular ad that you're, that you think is just, they really nailed it most recently?
1: Oh man. So I have been really attuned to creative out of Thailand and there is a company called Sydney Realty. Um, I don't have a ton of... Experience with really fun ads and real estate—that's like, just not a thing that I I get too often. Right. Um. But over the past two years, they've been telling this really interesting story called "In Love We Trust." It's um. It used to be Densu. Um. Oh, I'm sorry, not Thailand, Taiwan. Although there's a lot of great stuff in Thailand as well. Um. It used to be called Densu Taiwan, and now it's all under one Densu umbrella, and uh, they told this really cool story called in love in love we Trust and it was about how like the low birth rate and the divorce rate is causing a real estate problem because now, these large families are kind of dwindling. So to sort of draw attention to that, they told this beautiful eight minute uh, long love story, this modern love story about like this young couple that's just kind of trying to decide what the next step is for them. Because as we know, marriage isn't for everybody, but it took the time to really address a problem and say like, hey, there's something at the heart of this beyond real estate, but just at there's something about like the idea of a family looking a ton of different ways and um understanding that there are different ways to make a home so that came out uh the first installment of that came out i, I want to say 2020 I, I know that it came out uh it whatever cans was down uh the so last year the last can they won pretty big a can wow. so they but you know we were all second home Um, but they did a part two to that recently and it's lending itself to sort of like an overarching story that I think is really, really sweet and uh, makes you forget that you're watching an ad for real estate and somehow it all ties together in a really, really cool way. So those are some of the things that I'm really, really excited to see. And again, that is um, out of Taiwan. There's a lot of great stuff out of Thailand, especially with um, BBDO Bangkok, it's that really great too. But the international market has provided a, a lot of excitement for me as of lately.
0: That's amazing. Is there anything specifically in the U.S. that you, you're seeing that you're like, wow, that's a really killer ad?
1: Oh God, there's so many. Now I need a moment. What did we cover today that was really, really cool? Cash App's doing really cool things. Um, they recently did they are they have a big financial literacy platform. Mm. And it has been ostensibly geared towards um, Black American audiences because they've had um, a lot of really great uh, Black talent, like Serena Williams. Um, mm-hmm. They just recently launched a partnership with Kendrick Lamar. And they did this really cool financial literacy ad that I just loved. It was... Kendrick's serving as sort of a liaison between one of his, his comedian friends and this major entrepreneur. And he's sort of serves there to like translate this frustration that his friend is having because he lost money due to like a bad gamble. And so he's telling this really passionate story and it's entirely an A V. and Kendrick's there to sort of lend a listening ear and he's like, okay, so here's what he's saying. And he's translating it in such a respectful way so that he connects to this like major entrepreneur, like the sort of Wall Street type and he's there offering his advice and he's translating that for his friend. And there is just something about, one, knowing how to tap into your audience, right. knowing what, who your audience is, employing creatives who know how to communicate with that audience and providing something that is just super respectful and um, sort of this out of the box thinking. Because we get a lot of creative that comes in that can be a little bit um, more in like a ridicule space, like ridiculing things that they don't necessarily understand. But when you take the time to connect with creative that understands the foundation, of a community and how they communicate, and you know, allow them to just create something that speaks to that magic. So, that was like it was, it made me like weirdly emotional when I watched it. I was like, this is an ad about Cash App. Like, why do I feel like tear-eyed? Because I haven't seen anything that respectful in a long time. So, that was something that I was really, really excited to, to cover for the site.
0: That's that's part of the reason why I wanted to have you on the podcast is because your role of really like focusing on creative and inclusion. That's something very central to what we do at Sway too. Like mm-hmm. everything we do is about putting D&I at the center of everything that we do for our brands. We mm-hmm. want to make sure that we push them to have teams and 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 agencies and partners etc that are representative of the stakeholders that they're serving. Mm-hmm. So have you seen there be a more conscious shift by brands to really be more inclusive in their advertising?
1: Um, you know, or do we have more work to do? We, well, we definitely have more work to do. And and I mean, you're, you never are going to reach the perfect point. You're never going to reach a point where we are like, we did it, guys. We bias. eradicated um, bias and racism. And we can all go home now. But you you notice when a brand is taking a concerted effort to really speak to their audience. I think overall, we are seeing more brands kind of you know, be a little bit more careful when it comes to speaking to their marginalized audiences. Sure, there are missteps, but overall I think that there's at least a, a consciousness when it comes to the state of our industry and the necessity for change. So we're working off of that sort of basis of like, okay, we know that something needs to be done and now it's about taking the next actionable step. I will feel a little more sated when I see more brands take a look internally at their culture and say like, hey, how can we fix our overall culture so that what what comes from us creatively is, represents like a natural shift? I'm not seeing enough of that. I'm not seeing enough of like, okay, making sure that our creative teams are inclusive, making sure that going the step above our creative teams, our management is inclusive. That's sort of the thing that's missing here. And it would be great to see brands kind of be more transparent about that and say, like, here's what we're doing. Here's how we're fixing ourselves internally so that externally our our stuff aligns. Um, Yeah, just... Definitely, a lot of more work to do, but at least the acknowledgement is there, and we're sort of taking the baby steps. And we all know that this is going to take a while. So, it's about not uh, being. It's about not like seeing something as a race and feeling daunted by that to the point where you just don't move and you don't do anything, but see recognizing that it is a marathon and you can sort of take incremental steps to get to a better place.
0: Well, having someone like you at ad Week, who's looking to really kind of be that advocate and that champion and really looking to kind of look at things in a different way mm-hmm. that's that's the type of perspective i think we need right because in media you know we have a very homogeneous way of looking at things you have mm-hmm. very specific types of people that deliver the news and if you don't have a diverse group of people that deliver the news to reach the communities that you serve you're going to kind of talk like not always. To, to the issues that they want to care the most about. You also need to build trust, right? Right. So I think, like you know, the news the news is one aspect of it, and then from a brand perspective, you know, I always think about the fact that the way agencies are going to change their teams is the clients that they work for, the brands that they work for, pushing the agencies to make that change. Yes, the brands Mm -hmm. need to be more inclusive, but as you're looking to put that RFP together, or as you're looking to go for new and different agencies, you need to also make sure that you're challenging the agencies to show the demographics of their agency. Are they as inclusive as they can be to represent the populations XYZ brand represents? Because I think the brands have more power that they maybe sometimes are leveraging to actually make some of this change happen faster.
1: Oh, they definitely do. I, I think a lot about like a, a giant brand like P&G. Um, right. they, the work that comes out of P&G, they have a pretty great history of DEI-forward creative work. Right. When you look at like the Queens Collective right. and um, some of the other initiatives that they have that center around um, very specific communities, they they are kind of like head and shoulders above kind of like your big legacy brands when it comes to that. But a brand like P&G has the absolute power to say I am going to go to a black owned agency for this specific yep. um story. I'm going to go to a multicultural agency for this. And not only that, they have the they have the space and the platform to encourage their sort of like sister companies, even their competitors, challenge their competitors and say like, hey, this is what we're doing. What are you going to do to meet us where we are? Because here's how we're operating with our creative. I mean, you, a touch of competition goes such a long way when it comes to this stuff. Just being able to lead by example is such a like power move that not enough brands do and this is not a criticism of Mark Pritchard he's actually very vocal about um brands needing to step up in this way but there's there's so much more to be done in that respect that brands need to recognize that like you kind of you you kind of hold the, the largest weapon here you have the big biggest stick here yep you can swing it however you'd like to and you can make the call that hey, this is something that we need to specifically go to marginalized creatives for, and we need to challenge those around us, and yes, that includes your competitors, to do better.
0: I, I feel like they have the opportunity, right, to open up the playing field. So I can, I'll tell you a story of something we, we've experienced, right? Mm-hmm. Um, a big um, CPG company, we'll not name who they are, recently put out an RFP, um, it was pending for three months, Um, They came back to us and they said they wanted us to put something together in two weeks over Mm -hmm. a holiday weekend. And I decided that we were going to pass on it, even though it would have been a great opportunity for us. Mm -hmm. Because, A, I respect the culture of our team. I wasn't going to ruin their July 4th, especially with how hard the team had been working. Mm -hmm. But also, we're not as big as some of the big agencies, like my previous agency. So we don't have the deck. The deck is stacked against us to start, even if we have great people. And the, the benefit of something like Sway is that we can bring together the best people of what they do mm-hmm. for any given brief that comes in. So we brought in our multicultural team. I brought in our data analytics team as well as us, our, the PR team, and we went to go after this pitch. But I thought in retrospect, looking at it, I was like, we have no shot to win. We can't Mm -hmm. put together the 50-page procurement-driven RFP, the 50-page creative RFP in the matter of two weeks and not destroy the rest of the agency with all of the clients that were doing great work for each and every day. And by the way, the team needed a break. Right. So we said no. And do you know that that they came back to us and said, how do we get you to want to work with us? I see. And the reason they wanted to is they saw how we talk about the work they saw that we are extremely inclusive, we are extremely focused on doing, being doing, being very values-driven, very mission-driven, and they said, this is the type of inclusivity that we need working for our brands. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, in all, and I had a call with the procurement guy, I said, well, to be honest with you, you've stacked the deck against us. We have no shot to win. I will cripple my agency. Do I think we can do great work? Yes. Do mm-hmm. you love the case studies as part of the RFI that you loved? Yes, but you have to open the door and set some new ground rules to let new people into the party. Mm. And so we then had a credentials presentation. Do we have any work yet? No, but I do think at some point something is going to come because they actually realize that we're the type of agency they want to work with, but they have to start to think about doing things differently and invite us to the table.
1: That's beautiful, it's, and that's really just what it takes. It's about put wearing your values on your sleeve right. and attracting the work that's going to align with that. Um, I mean, when we talk about sort of the state of the agency world, I mean, we can go on and on about like just sort of the culture of burnout and how just the, the old, I don't mean, I don't want to say old, it's definitely still very much prevalent, but kind of the dated, uh, the dated way that agencies run is really not at the benefit of creatives. And especially now where. a a lot of us are working with leaner, leaner teams. You have to sort of put the culture and your creatives first and say, this is how we operate. These are our boundaries. We do excellent work because we respect these boundaries and because we adhere to them. Now, are you ready to play or not? And I, I would like to hope that that's something that is going to continue to foster not only great, client agency relationships, but in the end, just produce work that has been allowed to like, you know, flourish in the time right. that it needed to to, to bake. Um, I just, I hope that other agencies can sort of take that baton and be like, okay, here are the boundaries that we're going to assert for our staff so that we can feel replenished enough to produce excellent work. Because sometimes you can tell when work is rushed or right. when like, a team is like up against the wall because the work, the work just always reflects it in the end. And you just, you just have to realize that agencies and brands alike have to realize that like better environments produce better work at the end of the day.
0: Exactly. Shannon, you have a great platform, right? You have a great Mm -hmm. platform. Folks listen to what you have to say. They, 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 they. no, they do. They love. They love your perspective, because um, you tell it like it, like it, like it. You tell it like it is, and you tell it. Give it to people straight. Talk a little bit about what your goal is in your role for the next year. For
1: the next year, I really want to produce quality journalism that speaks to a cultural follow up. Um, I talk a lot about how journalism needs to lean more into following up on things after they've reported them. The past like 3 years I think we've all been privy or subjected to a lot of promises. And that's what advertising is about like 70% 70% of the time right is the promise. But we have to follow up on the delivery. Did they deliver? Did they make an effort to like increase the number of marginalized creatives within their their pool. Did they change the C-suite? Did they, you know, try to tap into these audiences in an authentic way like they promised they would? Did right. they, you know, did they offer all the things that they promised us in 2020? Did they deliver it by 2023? Right. And it's not like an indictment. It's not any, it's not gotcha journalism. I don't have time for that and I don't believe in it. It's more about just making sure that everyone knows that this is stuff that we care about. It's not just stuff that we are reporting to fill a space online or in a magazine. It's about, you know, laying the groundwork and sort of building that archive of change and then following up to make sure that people are following through. So that's what the next year is going to be for me is I love doing the fun stuff. I love covering mascots and talking about creative campaigns but now you know we're it's it's game time we need to get to a point where we're saying okay here are all the changes that you said you're going to do it's not so much about did you deliver but like what have you done up to this point and where is it going right and i'm hoping that that just sort of sets a a foundation for ad week that ad week is a place where you can you know tell us your goals, but also a place where you can come back to and say, okay, here's what we've done. Here's where we fell short. Here's what we're looking for in the future. I I just want to be that for ad week. And I think a lot of our journalists, if not all, have that mindset. That's so refreshing. But it's, it's, (laughs) you you have to do it. I, I can't remember, or not remember, I can't, like, count how many times I've covered an initiative and just been like, Is this really going to happen? Is this something that, you know, you're going to take the steps to? And it doesn't have to be perfect. But, like, are you really going to take these concerted? Are you going to make the concerted effort to take these steps? So I'm really excited to, to do a little bit more of that. And to hopefully be a safe space where companies and brands can be like, we didn't, you know, meet the goal. We knew we set a lofty goal. But here's what we have done. And here's what we're excited to do. It's just about making sure that everyone knows that we're not going to let up. That if we want change, we have to be persistent and we have to be insistent. So that's kind of the the big thing for me. But I'm also really excited about some fun stuff too, doing a lot of um, people first work, really looking at the creatives that are doing great change. I do that with Off Madison. I'm trying to do that in just our general coverage. I am just really excited about all of it.
0: And Shannon, one final word before I let you go. Um, I want to close out by asking you, what is one piece of advice that you would give marketers and communicators today that they can do back in their offices to really drive D&I? I
1: I think the biggest thing you can do, and this is a very like lofty thing, and I'm cheating here because it involves a ton of little things and not just one thing, but the big big thing to remember is that DEI is a multi-layered effort. It requires not just you know, as a step here and a step there, but it ultimately culminates in like an overhaul. Right. You have to remember that when it comes to DEI, if your only focus is recruitment and hiring, you're doing like less than 50% of your job when it comes to the DEI, because it's also about retention. It's also about making sure that you are taking a very deep, hard look internally and saying, okay, what does our leadership look like? What does our middle management look like? What does our vendor pool look like? What does our lower levels? It's about looking at all of it. If you are just focused on sort of checking the boxes at the lower levels and saying, okay, we did our job, we did it, and doing this sort of forward-facing like performative thing, it's not going to last. You have to build... A, a much, uh, you have to build like a much stronger foundation. And then you have to, once you've done that, you have to foster an environment where they want to stay. Because that's the big thing, right? Is you got me here. Fantastic. Are you giving me the tools for success? Are you giving me the space to do what I need to do to create change? Are you providing me with the resources and support to make sure that I can go the distance? And are you putting uh, my needs first when it comes to making sure that I am energized long enough to do this. That's just a, a company-wide, an industry-wide thing that everyone really needs to take a moment and um, do like an internal check and see. okay, am I doing that? Am I doing that for my team? And I, I think from there, once you've got that figured out, I think everything else falls in place. And that could be really Pollyanna of me forgive me, I'm from Florida. We're very, very, very positive. But I just have I just feel like if you change the culture internally, everything else falls in place. So that would be my my one big thing It's just remember, it is a multi layered effort. And it's going to take time and it's going to take super hard conversations. Um, but get through it. And I think those that stick around are really going to be the chain make, change makers of our industry.
0: Shannon, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. It was a great conversation and um, you have an ally in me and I, I can't wait to continue to do more work together and see what you continue to do next.
1: Me too. I'm really excited. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Thank you for tuning into The Sway Effect, our podcast series from our network of innovators, disruptors, movers, and shakers that are changing the marketing communications industry today. Keep up with the latest by following, reviewing, and subscribing to all things that we're doing by checking out our website at www.theswayeffect.com. Let us know what you thought of today's episode by leaving a comment on our LinkedIn and Instagram at The Sway Effect or on Twitter at Sway Effect.